If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 3 John, and we will get to work. It is my absolute privilege. I, I want, I, truly, I, I want to say, I, so many times you have some visiting guy and he comes up and he starts by saying thanks, and, and you always feel like, oh, this doesn't matter, I don't have to listen. I want you to hear me. Thank you. It has been an absolute joy to be with you these, these last few days. Um, I'm privileged to be here. It, it has just been a beautiful and encouraging thing to me to see your heart for the sake of the gospel and your heart uh, for the sake of your missionaries. And I truly, truly am excited and thrilled to see what the Lord is going to do through CCF. Because I, I believe the Lord's at work here. And that, that's an exciting thing for me. Uh, I have the privilege of working in some churches that are like you. And I have the privilege of serving in some churches that aren't, okay? So, um, thank you, all right? I also want to say you guys nailed hospitality. John and Sharon, you guys have been just uh, magical for us. And we're just so grateful. The kids love it. They're mad that we're leaving. Um, so I'm sure you're not, but uh, they, you guys have just been very, very kind, very sweet. So thank you very much. Well, as uh, was told you, to you before, uh, my name is Dustin Meadows, and I'm from southeastern Oklahoma. I grew up on a cattle ranch and don't know how that this has happened, okay? except to say that the Lord has uh, been very kind to me. Uh, you can look at my wife and tell that the Lord has been kind to me. Um, we have three beautiful, well-behaved children and a teenager. Um, <laughs> I, I used to say we have three beautiful, well-behaved children and a toddler, but my kid grew up and the other one turned a teenager, so it just worked this seamlessly you know, transition. <laughs> into it. No, I, the Lord has blessed us with four beautiful kids. Most of the time they're well behaved, <clears throat> but don't ask John and Sharon, okay? Because they may know different. <laughs> well, I, I'm here this morning to share with you from the word of the Lord, okay? God, thankfully, put in a book like Third John for us, okay? Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but this was really in as far as if you look through, um, I've lost the word. What do you call it? Sequence of events? Chronological. Thank you. I've only said like 28 million words the last three days, okay? <laughs> so I'm, I'm running on fumes on the last little, my, my vocab is just running out, all right? So in the chronal, now I can't even say the word. Thank you. Mike said, well, you guys heard what he said, Okay. <laughs> In the, as the books were written, one of the last books that was written is this one. This book, Eusebius, a historian, actually says that 2nd and 3rd John were the last books written in the Bible after the book of Revelation, chronologically, okay? They don't come in that order, but chronologically is where this book happened. They, he actually says it's quite possible that 2nd and 3rd John were written on the same day, right? They fill up about what, one sheet of paper each. And, and I find that fascinating for this reason, okay? What did God find so important that one, he kept his apostle alive long enough to write it, 
because the Apostle John at this time is in his mid to late 90s, okay? Why did God keep John alive long enough to write it? But also, he, he just did not close his canon until this message got in his book. And this is one of those books that you've probably read a lot. Uh, it's, it's kind of a funny little book because it's the smallest, the shortest book of, of the New Testament. And so when, you're, when you realize you've not done your daily Bible reading and you need to read a chapter really quickly, lots of times we turn to 3 John and we read it and we don't pay any attention because it's right before bed or something like that. And we're in a hurry and we put it down. But the book here is pretty weighty. And I think it applies to you guys because I'm, you know, when Grant and Ray's we started talking with them. Uh, my first question to a missionary candidate at Disciple of Nations is, do you have a sending church? And they said, yes. And I said, do they know that? <laughs> and they said, yes. I went, really? Yes. Went, oh, well, I don't believe you. So I called Tyler. And I said, are you guys, do you even know who Grant and Ray's are? Yes. Are you going to send them? Yes. Do you know what that means? We think. <laughs> Turns out you do. And it's great. And so this book is written about sending missionaries. And it's a letter that I'm so thankful that God put in the scriptures. So uh, if you would, I like to stand in honor of the reading of the word. So if you would, if you can and able, please stand with me as we read. The word of the Lord says this. The elder to the, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you were walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the, of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Father, I ask that you add your blessing to this time. God, that your spirit would work in our hearts, that we would submit ourselves under the authority of your word. And Father, that you would lead us in the path of righteousness for your namesake. For this I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So as I said, this book was written, for, or this letter was written on the same day as 2 John. 2 John, if you, if you read through it, uh, there's a couple of themes that just roll through both of these letters. John cared a lot about love. Cared a lot about it. Mentioned love quite a bit. But he didn't mention love by itself. Now, there's a lot of talk in our culture right now about love. I don't know if you pay any attention at all. I don't recommend it. Okay, But there's a lot of talk about love. But they just talk about love by itself. John, he never talked about love by itself. When he talked about love, he said talk, he talked about love and truth. And really, if you think about it, love separated from truth isn't really love. And truth separated from love isn't truth. 
They go together. They should both be maintained. I think here John teaches both the, through both of these letters that there should be a tenderness and a tenacity in the way that the, the people of God deal with love and truth. We should be tenderly and tenaciously committed to these things. We do not give up truth in order to maintain some semblance of peace. That's not something we do. No, we hold out truth for the sake of love. One of the things that, uh, one of the passages that just means a lot to me because I'm a, a missionary and I'm a preacher, right, um, is where Paul says in, in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because for it is the power of God unto salvation. Right? I'm not ashamed of it. You understand there's times that we say, well, maybe we should back up on the truth in order to love these people. And, and I want you to understand, you can't be ashamed of the gospel because it's the only thing that you can really love people with. Because it's the only way that people can really be saved. And so there's a tenderness, yes, but there's a tenacity as well. And so don't allow your theology to be just super tenacious without tenderness because that's not right either. But certainly don't allow this culture to push a tenderness with no tenacity. This is where we as a Christian should fall in line. Here in 2 John, if you'll, you'll see, um, he, he focuses a lot on these deceivers, and he warns about those that try to come in and cause people in the faith to wander away from the truth, to come off the path is literally what that means. And 3 John, you're going to see basically the same thing. 3 John, he talks about truth and love again. And he commends this one brother, Gaius, for the way that he loved missionaries. He commended him for how he was faithful to not be ashamed of the gospel, but he was faithful to believe in the gospel, to send these brothers out to, con to continue the spread of that gospel. So he commends him. I want you to understand something, that here in 3 John, we see these brothers. If you'll notice, he, uh, John talks in verse 3 about these brothers who came and testified to, their, to this truth. And in verse 5, uh, John exhorts Gaius to, um, he said, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers. So these brothers are traveling missionaries. They have come through and they're on their way to take the gospel to a new place. We don't really know exactly where Gaius is and we don't really know where the brothers are going. But it doesn't really matter, does it? Because missions is from everywhere to anywhere. Right? You've got to get it from where the gospel is to a place that the gospel isn't. And that's what these guys are doing. So the place doesn't really matter because the principle is the same. And so here he, he says, these brothers you've come and the, these efforts you put forth for these brothers to send them on is a good thing. So let's just state for the record, our mission of taking the gospel to the nations because it's the only thing that'll save. There's no other hope that's there. You can't trust an NGO to be able to go and put enough relief work into something that they will, they'll have everything that they'll need for eternity. No. The thing that they need 
for eternity is Jesus. <coughs> you see, I, I love that song. It is well with my soul. I love it. Because I'm a great sinner. I love that you lead your people through confession of sin, right? And if you guys knew about me, you would be really, you'd probably quit listening, right? Because I'm, I'm not just a great sinner, and you're thinking, yeah, no, no, I'm like first ballot Hall of Famer, okay? I'm a great sinner. But Christ hath regarded my helpless estate. And the only reason that this can happen, that this can happen, is because of Christ. And I love looking around at other sinners and seeing the change that Christ can make in lives, even if you're just a JV sinner, right? I'm still proud you're on the team, okay? But Christ does an incredible work. But the thing is, is we as recipients of that grace, we want to continue to get that message out to other people because we know if God could save me, that this can happen to other places, in, in other places and to other people. And so we, our mission requires someone going. We need brothers that we can, that can go and we need brothers who can send it requires both going and sending. Romans chapter 10. I read this for those of you that were at the missions training. Uh, you heard this, but Romans chapter 10, I'll read it to you very quickly. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Great truth. That's his promise there, right? <coughs> and then he says, but how then will they call on him whom they've not believed? And the answer is they can't. You can't call upon him until you believe in him. And he says, well, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Answer is, they can't, right? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? The answer is, they can't, right? And so he just uses this logical step to go backwards to prove what needs to happen. And then he says, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? Answer is, they can't. They can't. Think about what it means to send. Think about all the things it takes to walk across this room, right? It takes dozens of muscles and bones working perfectly together. I'm told that it takes 60,000 miles of blood vessels moving millions of cells to the right places just to get, to get you to your feet. Now, I, to be real honest, I didn't actually measure that. I took a doctor's word for it. But I don't know what kind of doctor spends that kind of time doing that, but... But think of what all it takes to stand up and go. Nothing moves at all. Nothing moves at all without first being caused to go. Now, the great thing about missions is we realize who is the prime mover. The great thing about creation is we realize who is the prime mover. Who's the first cause? Who's the one who moved upon us first? And that was God. And so what I want you to understand about missions and the gospel is the gospel made it to here, but the gospel by its very nature, because of God's moving uh, effort and, and uh, strength behind it, he pushes it and sends it further. So the Spirit sends through the call to brothers and sisters to go, to take the gospel somewhere else. 
We read in Acts chapter 13 this week how the Holy Spirit came to the elders of the church at Antioch and he said, set apart for me Saul, Paul, and Barnabas for the work for which I have set apart for them, for I have ordained them to do. And the elders and the church get together, they pray, they fast, and we say, are we sure? And we say, yes, we're sure, but it's Paul and Barnabas. Do we really want to send them? Can't we send Bill? Right? If there's a Bill, I'm sorry. I just pictured Bill, okay? You're like, what? No. Can't we just send Joe, somebody? Surely there's somebody else that could go besides Paul and Barnabas. We kind of like those guys. But the Holy Spirit called his best for this work. And the church agreed. Church, this is what I love about when really, really great people like Grant and Ray's, they would be a benefit to every church on the planet. But the church calls, and I say, are you sure? And the church says, yes, we believe so much in this message and in our people that we're ready to launch them for the sake of the gospel. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But it requires that. <clears throat> now, Acts chapter 13 says this, that the, once the, the church lays their hands on them, commissions them, affirms that this is what God is calling them to do, they commission them for this task, they send them out. And they leave their presence. The next verse of Acts chapter 13 says, and the Holy Spirit sends. Now, this is just an encouragement for you. Church, when you let go and you launch out Grant and Ray's dicks, I want you to know something that is very comforting, and that is that the Holy Spirit will be with them. You see, the Great Commission still applies today. When Christ says, go make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I, command, I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. And I'll be with them always, even to the ends of the age. And so church, there is a responsibility there for you to send well that we're about to get into. But I want you to realize that this would never work without the Lord. And the Lord and his spirit will be upon your people as you send them out the best comfort I could give you. Better than me saying, I want to pay attention, I'm going to, I'm going to do all I can to keep them out of danger. I'm to, I mean, I could make all those promises, but the best promise I could make is the Lord will be with them. And even if they go through the valley of the shadow of death, he'll be there. Right? So it takes this to send, but note why it sends. Uh, in Acts chapter 13, the final thing and there in verse 5, it says, they were sent so that the word of God may be proclaimed. So that the word of God may be proclaimed. The gospel has made it here to CCF. And the gospel's not stopping here at CCF. Right? I love to study the history of when the gospel reaches a place. It's fascinating. But I hate it when that history stops. You know how many church histories I've read that said that this church was planted in 1864 and has never planted a church since? 
has never sent anybody out since. Has never cared about missions since. Let that not be the case with CCF. Let there never be a day that CCF isn't caring about taking the gospel from here to other places because you have neighbors that don't know Christ. You have nations that don't know Christ. Go get them all. Go get them all. So God sends, then the church sends, and then God, again, in agreement, sends and covers and watches over. But in the midst of all this, we see that individuals are a part of this. This is not only a corporate action. There's this, this is an individual action. God calls all individuals in the church to obedience to the Great Commission. We all have parts to play. In the Great Commission and in the Great Commandment ministries of the local church, where we are, but more specifically, uh, where we're going, we have roles to play in getting the gospel to these new places. And we do this not just by going or sending, but we do this by going and sending. So right now you get to send them, but it's not just here, we bought you a plane ticket and your job to say goodbye. No, it's much more than that. Your job might be to buy the plane ticket and to buy you one in a little bit too so that you can go over there and help. Maybe it's a one-way ticket. You may not know this, but Grant Rays and I have been praying for teammates from this church to be raised up. There's a reason I don't lead with that, right? But it's true. That's what we're praying for. But I want you to understand, those who do not go have just as much of a responsibility and just as big part in missions as those that do go. Goers and senders have an equal partnership, just like frontline front soldiers. Frontline soldiers cannot ever accomplish the mission without people helping them get there. There's so many things that have to happen for a, a soldier to be able to leave where he is, have all the equipment that he has, stay well nourished while he's there, get to the place, accomplish the mission, make it all the way back safely. So much stuff has to be involved. This is what the Bible calls gospel partnership. So he said, uh, Philippians chapter 1 says this, where Paul is writing back to his, the church at Philippi, who is one of his supporting churches, and he says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I want you to understand that missionaries are not more important than the church and the senders who stay behind. It's not. Because just like they're going to preach the gospel in a new geographic place, you still have generational uh, people that you're going to have to continue to disciple and raise up. Think about what Jesus did when he washed the disciples' feet in John chapter 13. He elevated the understanding of service for the people of God. He washed the disciples' feet who were about to be what? The first missionaries. He washed their feet and he showed that his heartbeat is the service to his people. <clears throat> Missionaries can't go well. They can't serve well. They can't stay well without senders. 
It's the only way to do missions biblically. There requires a sending and a serving and a giving oneself for the sake of another in order to get the gospel to new places. One of my favorite quotes is, Christ accomplished our redemption through great sacrifice, and we, by, and we make his glory known through our sacrifice. So your only option at this point is, if you're not going to be a goer, then you have to be a sender. That's the only option that you have. But now, here's what I came to tell you. Okay? God is not honored with poor sending. Here's what the text is going to show you, okay? God is honored with sending them well. God is honored with sending them well. Let's look at verse 5. Third John. Beloved. Very neat. He calls uh, Gaius beloved many times in this little text. Okay? This is a faithful brother who's doing this. And he says, Brother, or beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I mean, such a pregnant paragraph. You can break down every little phrase and just meditate upon it. Think about it. Try to digest this. The longer you do it, the worse it gets. Okay? Because I've been doing it about six years now. And if you chew on it about two and a half years, you'll start a new missions organization designed to send missionaries well. I'll tell you exactly how bad it gets. Okay? This little text has caused such conviction in my heart towards what it means to send missionaries in a way that would honor the Lord. More than that, to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Not my words. That's God's words. So when you see Grant and Ray's come and they're here and sending starts right now, all the preparation that you're doing for them, all the equipping, all the encouragement, all the love, all the prayer, all the, all the financial support, all the things that you're doing for them, do it in a manner worthy of the Lord. Why? Because they go out not for the sake of themselves. They go out for the sake of the name. God cares a lot more about this than sometimes we realize. This is a worthy effort. It says it's a faithful thing. I want you to understand the way he does this. When, when John unpacks this little idea here, you can tell that he's not at all saying, just, just do something verbal. Just say, hey, we're really glad you're here. Now please leave, right? None of this stuff. It is talking about practical actions. There's tenses in these verbs that talk about the, the, the strength behind them. It is intense. This should indicate an attitude of open generosity that is continuing, he says. And John is counting on Gaius to go on with the good work. He actually says, and there's, there's one little word in here, and the way that it's put is he talks about them finishing their work and his support will continue until they finish their work. 
continues until they're done. Your job can't be done until their job's done. There should be a generous duty for us. This is the Christian creed they're fighting for. The sake of the name. Which name are we talking about? This is Christ. This is a mission of truth. Every other mission is a mission of error. So we don't send and support those. We send and support the mission of truth. And we come behind them to help them advance so that this is our role in the Great Commission, our role of helping Christ be glorified through all nations, by every tribe, by every tongue, and by every people. This is the role we get to play. We get to help, we get to help them go. And maybe we get to go too. But we've got to help them go. There's pieces in here I want you to grasp. They accept nothing from the Gentiles. I want you to know why. Because Gentiles won't support something like this. Lots of times Christian people spend a lot of their money supporting Gentile programs. There's some great organizations out there that do some great work. But I want you to think deeply about how you as a believer in Christ and what you really believe the one need is for the entire world. I believe the one need is Jesus. Right? And they, there's a lot of really great programs that try to offer everything else. Well, I just want to encourage you, think about allowing the Gentiles to support those things. And you think deeply about supporting Christian things. There's stuff like cancer research that is good and right, and you should support things like that. I, I want cancer to be gone. Okay? I'm not saying that. But even if cancer is cured, you realize the, the weight of sin remains. In Portugal, we have a church planner who a couple of months ago was able to take the gospel to someone with stage 4 cancer. And the person that had cancer received the gospel and opened up their home and their, our little church plant started meeting in the home of the person that had stage 4 cancer, which was really kind of helpful because when that person couldn't even get out of bed anymore, we were meeting in their living room anyway. And the cancer killed them. But we won. So I would love for cancer to be gone, but more than anything, I'm so thankful that the gospel made it there in time. Because you understand the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. So think like a Christian in the way that you serve and support. Think like a Christian in how you serve and support. Let me tell you a terrible story. Some missionaries made it to a tribe, and they were going to do, going to do what's called chronological Bible storying, where you start at the very beginning of 
the Bible and you begin to unfold who God is and his nature and character by revealing his story in, in history, okay, is his story, revealing this to these people in this way. And this guy talked about where we are in the time of creation and when Christ came, and he said he, Christ came 2,000 years ago, he, he, it took months, right, to teach this. And he got to this last point, finally showing that Christ is the lamb that was promised to take away the sin of the world. And everybody, well, not everybody, but lots of people were being converted. They were seeing this thing. And one man stood up in the tribe and he said, I have a question. You said Christ came 2,000 years ago. Why are we just hearing about it now? And the missionary had to say, we're just now getting here. And the man said, if you guys really would have believed it, you'd think you'd have gotten here a long time ago. And that guy never converted. He didn't believe the gospel because he didn't feel that missionaries and Christians believe the gospel. He said, if you'd have believed it like what it sounds, you'd have done everything you could to get, to get it to hear. You see, how you send Grant and Ray's will either be a boost to their message in the, in the hearts of their hearers, or it could call their message into question in the hearts of those who hear them. If they're not well supported by those who claim to believe the same things that they're going to preach, if, they're, if their lives are not transformed by the gospel here, why would they say that the gospel will transform them there? It could call the message into question. We want to give confidence in their hearers in the way the gospel changes lives and they'll tell they can tell the people that receive missionaries they can tell whether they're sent well or not every christian has a responsibility to work for the cause of truth so i want to encourage you, you can't sit back and let everybody else do it you got lots of people here surely somebody else will take care of it that's not the, not the way that works if you do that, you're just going to call into question the message that they go to proclaim. How you send missionaries, are you bestowing honor upon God in the way you love them? In how you seek to advance the truth through your church or through your individual stewardship and service, are you bestowing honor upon the Lord? Now, <clears throat> I want you to notice something that the message doesn't stop there. The letter doesn't stop. Let's read a little farther. <clears throat> Verse 9, he says, I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, everybody say Diotrephes. Sounds fun. It's not fun, okay? But Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want, who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. 
Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. You see, I kind of hope that um, as you guys begin to understand even more and more of what it means to send missionaries well, and you begin to see this text and you begin to chew on it, that you really want to do this well. Well, now that you want to do it well, I have to warn you. There's people that will show up that won't like that. you got to beware of diotrophies. I wish his kind was, uh, was extinct, but it's not. I want to show you what happens. Gaius and his church were so generous in what they were planning to do for these brothers. They had already done it, but they had continued this work, and John is calling them to continue it until they're done, right? But they were so generous in the way they welcomed them, so hospitable with their love and care and affection and finances, and so generous in how they sent them out that it upset some people. You see, you're going to show that you believe in the gospel so much with how you send missionaries that there's going to be people that don't, do not like it and they're going to show up to try to stop you. Third John here is a warning against rejecting those who are true fellow Christians and ambassadors of the gospel. He warns them. Now this first half of the letter is a very encouraging one. But John says it to show the stark contrast with the way Gaius treated these missionaries and the way Diotrephes did. Gaius had received these brothers from John. They were true messengers of Christ. They'd gone out for the sake of the name. He had welcomed them, supported them, entertained them in love. But the church generally had not done so. Or there were people in the church that generally had not done so. Although there were some who wanted to. Because you see this diotrophy shows up. And he refuses to welcome the brothers and stops those who want to, want to help the brothers. There's other who want, and he says, you know, you, you really shouldn't do that. You know, I, I have people in my family that don't understand what we do. I was headed to med school before the Lord did this, okay? And I have family members that, they, you know how much more money you could make? Well, yeah, but I could make more money at McDonald's, right? Not sure that's a, right? But I have people that don't understand. Why do you give like you give? You know, your kids wear, they could be wearing cooler stuff. I know. That's okay. My kids, have they agree. Right? People aren't going to get it. They're going to question what you're doing. They're going to say that what you're doing isn't the best for your church because you're sending out some great people. Why would you send out great people? Why don't you keep them here? Hoard them all to yourself. That way you can build up a big, good church. They're not going to get it. It doesn't matter if they get it. Our job's not to make sense to the world. Have we ever made sense to the world? Look, about, look at diotrophies here. I, I don't know a worse thing to say about somebody. Diotrephes likes to put himself first. Man, 
Now, let me tell you something you, I hope you already know. Jesus Christ is to be preeminent in all things. When I say he is to be preeminent, that means he is to be first in all things. Okay? Those of us who are self-centered, sometimes we think we're just pushing other people, other individual, individuals out of the way so that we can be first, that we can be more important, so that our needs can be met, so that our preferences can be met. Let's just be real clear in who you're pushing out of the way. If you like to put yourself first, that means you think you're pushing Jesus out of the way. Not only does Diotrephes like to put himself first, he does not acknowledge our authority. Who's the hour here? Well, number one, verse one, <coughs> the elder John. Right, the Apostle John, the elder to the beloved Gaius, who is an elder of his local church. And this guy, Diotrephes, does not recognize the authority of the elders of his local church. Now, there are times, I'm not saying this, I'm not saying whatever they say goes. Right? I'm saying as long as they are teaching and are faithful to this word, you need to understand that they have the authority that God has given over you. God gives them authority because you need to realize and learn what it means to submit yourself to authority. Because if you can't submit yourself to them, you'll never want to submit yourself to the Lord. But once you learn to submit yourself to the Lord, then honoring your father and mother makes lots of sense. Honoring those who labor well among you makes lots of sense. So just think about what your preferences are and if you're really ready and willing to push Christ out of the way so that you can put yourself first. Because I would encourage you not to do that. <clears throat> if I knew it was going, this is what I think I would do. I think I'd do what John would do. He said, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us when I come. If I knew it, I'd just point you out, but I don't know anything's going on. But. <laughs> but I've been around churches long enough to know there's typically something going on. <laughs> no, this is a warning. That, that's just being silly. This is a warning, though. Whenever you guys collectively join together and say, we're going to do this for the sake of the name of Christ, guess what the enemy's going to do? He's going to hate it. And he will do everything he can to, to steer you off of the path of sending well for the sake of the gospel. He'll send men. The name might be Bill, but they sure sound like diotrophies. Sorry, Bill. Jesus must be preeminent in all things. <clears throat> Notice here that he's not content just with putting himself first. He's content with anybody who's trying. He's not content to do that. So he refuses to welcome the brothers and he stops those who want, who want to and puts them out of the church. I think part of this is that uh, Diotrephes likes to hoard all the, the, the comforts and fun to himself. He has his own ambition. 
These are all things that I, that I can see that's going on here. But here's one thing I want you to note. Diotrephes, nothing is mentioned about his doctrine. Nothing at all is mentioned about his doctrine. But you can tell he's diseased, okay? But I will say this. If someone, even if they hold to the same creed you do, if they want to stop the advancement of good doctrine, they got bad doctrine. If they want to stop missionaries from being sent out for the sake of the name, they got bad doctrine. Okay? That is, by its very nature, really, really bad doctrine. Because our doctrine says that this gospel should go to the ends of the earth. Unfortunately, Diotrephes has had his many followers throughout the history of the church. Many of them. Diotrephes disapproves of sending missionaries and sending the gospel, of wasting resources on people when we could hoard that to ourselves and get in better pews and better buildings. and what. We don't want to spend money on those things, Diotrephes says. I want you to note a couple of things. John and Jesus all approve of sending missionaries well. That's the company you want to be in. Okay? But I hate to break it to you, Diotrephes are still around. <clears throat> hilarious story about this is in the early 1900s a man named A.T. Robertson wrote an essay on diotrophies for a very very small denominational paper okay he wrote this thing it was it was sent out through about a, a, not even an entire state got this but after that article was written out 25 different deacons actually called the papal paper and canceled their subscription stating that they resented the fact that the paper would allow someone to publish an article that publicly and personally attacked them. <laughs> I just want to remind you, if you're in here and you feel like I've been aiming at you, I've just been talking about diotrophies. There may be some of you who see yourselves in this portion of Scripture. And I want to encourage you, don't do that. Rather, do verse 11. Do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Find people like Demetrius, who has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself, and imitate him. And imit imitate those guys around you that look like Gaius, that love the gospel so much they're willing to send their best. So which one of these guys are you? Or better yet, which one of these guys will you be? We certainly need more senders. One of the things that is so encouraging to me as a missionary is in the New Testament, Paul mentions about 75 different names of individuals who served and supported him and encouraged him along his path. 75 different people. Grant and Ray's need to know you by name. They need to write it down in their journals. So that when somebody writes a biography about them someday, you get named as one of the people that helps them get all the way to the nations. Right? Learn ways to pray and serve. Sad, to, uh, sad statistic is that 7,000 missionaries will quit this year due to preventable reasons. That's the average stat that's happened every year for the last 35 years that we've known, since we've been doing statistics on this and since we've been studying it. 7,000 missionaries quit due to preventable reasons. Don't let them be one. 
They didn't have a support team. They weren't prayed for. They weren't cared for. They weren't supported. They weren't encouraged. They were not well financed. But please understand, there's a huge, huge difference between being fully funded and being fully supported. And the goal for them is not to be fully funded, though they're close. You know what I'd love? I'd love for their last 8 or 10%. What, what are you at? Do you know what you're at? 92, 94%. They've got 6%. You guys realize y'all could knock that out today. That'd be really awesome. Let's do this. 96%. Tell me how much, is, or 94%. What's the last 6%? Four. $450 is what they're looking for a month, okay? And I get four people that'll give $100 a month and one that'll give 50 or something in there. That's all. I want you to understand. You can look around and go, hey, we can do this. That's incredible. My 15-year-old son works a job, and he can nearly do that by himself. He's like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, you can do this. And it's your job to do this. Send them well. Grant and Ray's are one of the 40,000 missionaries that are ready to go to the field today, but they can't because the funding's not there yet. No wonder the man in the tribe said what he said. Do you know in 2020, Americans spent 1.4 billion, built with a B, billion dollars on Halloween costumes for their pets. In the same year, they spent just 450 million dollars on reaching the unreached. Nearly three times the amount of money is spent on Halloween costumes for your pets. So don't think I'm just being a jerk saying you ought to get out your wallet. I'm saying you need to rethink the way you do your entire budget. What's to you? Do you believe it? Because if you do, let's get the gospel to the nations. Does the fact that there are thousands of not just of people, thousands of people, groups who do not know the Lord cause you to have anything happen inside your spirit. They've never heard of his name, much less that he and his name can bring hope and life, a remedy for sin. Does the fact that 86% of all Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists the, the fact that they will live and die without ever even meeting a Christ follower. Does that bother you at all? So how do you get involved? Use your gifts. You get involved right here at CCF. You come talk to your pastors and say, where can you use me? And you give them a chance to figure out where you can benefit them. Okay? But you jump in and I recommend you do it today. Churches are central to the achievement of the mission of God. This is the only way God is going to choose to reach the nations. It's through you, CCF. And here's the great thing. God has equipped you with everything you could ever need to do it. You've got his word. You've got his spirit. Just walk in it. Walk in the truth that you realize the scripture is calling you to today to send them well on their journey 
in a manner worthy of God. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for CCF. I'm so grateful for the fact that they have Grant and Ray's and they've developed them and raised them up. And Lord, that they're ready to launch them out. Lord, for those in this church who have yet to be awakened to the call of the Great Commission, God, awaken your people. Awaken your people and use CCF to get the gospel to the ends of the earth and use them until the end of this age. God, multiply those that can be sent here. May more people be willing to lay down their life and to follow you to the ends of the earth. And God, may more willing, more people be willing to be senders. Don't, don't just multiply the sent, God, but multiply the senders. Send more here that can be sent out. And God, raise this up as a, as a church that can, that can obey well the letter of 3 John. God, I pray that you protect them from diatrophies. Protect them from the enemy that wants to stop the great things you're doing. But Lord, help them to be warned. Help them to stand firm. Help them to stand fast. Help them to remain alert and vigilant. But God, more than anything, I pray that your power rest upon them. And use them for your great glory among all peoples. Do wondrous things through your people here at CCF, but not for their glory, not for the elders' glory or for their name or their fame, not for disciple the nations, not for grant and raise. But God, we do all this for the sake of your mighty name, the name that is above all names. We ask this in Christ's name, amen.